baby, where you been? Sleeping while we woke. You just give me time. You gon' see it grow. Get some money, folk. Let it flow. Get some money, folk. Let it flow. And I just need a win. That gon' give me hope. You gon' see me shine. You gon' see me choke. Get some money, folk. Let it flow. Get some money, folk. Let it flow. Hey guys, welcome to Block Channel. We're back for episode 46, and we're back for the start of a new season. And we're really excited to be back with you this season to provide you more great insights into what's going on in cryptocurrency space uh, in our own special way. Uh, so we're back again this season with Dr. Corey Petty and Dimitri Ferguson. We'll have Erica Amatori back on the show soon. She's just real, real busy. It's hard to schedule things when people work so decentralized all over the place and everyone's working so hard. Um, speaking of Erica, if you guys haven't recently, do check out thebitdaily.com. She's worked on a major revision there with her team in regards to uh, expanding the offerings, the resources. There's now a way to like comment and discuss about projects, curate them in a kind of a product hunt-like manner. It's really awesome. Um, so if you want to just go ahead and head over to that and check that out and support Erica when she's not on the show, that'd be great. Uh, and also, if you have not, subscribe to her newsletter as well because she has a formal newsletter because Block Channel doesn't because I'm kind of lazy. So I don't have a newsletter. We just put out great content, and that's fine. You guys know how to click things. I don't need to send you an email. Um, but, you know, we're back again this season, and um, Corey Petty, Dimitri Ferguson, go ahead and break down let the audience know who you are. What's up, guys? Dr. Corey Petty here. Uh, co-founder of the Bitcoin Podcast Network, senior security engineer at Status, and longtime co-host of Blockchain. Oh, yeah, that's right. You got another uh, title now. I forgot. You added another one to the, the belt. Add well, them on, the on to the accolades. Look at you, man. We had Status on the show, and then now Stat was Status a sponsor of our show at some point? They yeah. might have been, and now you work there. Crypto's amazing. It's so beautiful. So, Dimitri... <laughs> Phyllis and sir, how you been? Yeah, I've been well. Uh, I'm host number two of the Bitcoin podcast, the co-host here at Block Channel. I've been pretty well. Had an on-ramping and released on the network. Oh, I'm also the co-founder of the Bitcoin podcast network. And um, I've been well, man. Staying busy. Keep pushing out content. We don't have a newsletter either. So you guys know how to click. Exactly. <laughs> you guys know how to click. Uh, and so, you know, back for this season, you know, we're always bringing you some of the best guests. And we thought it'd be really timely to bring on our show today, Victor from the Trust Wallet team. And if you're not familiar with Trust Wallet, uh, we'll have Victor fill you all in that in a little bit later on the show. But Trust Wallet was just acquired by Binance. So that's really exciting. Uh, so, you know, we'll get a little bit more of an insights into what that means for Victor's company going forward. Um, but Victor, to go ahead and get the party started for everyone. Can you just let us know a little bit about your background, really who you are, where you come from, how you got into the crypto space, and then from up into uh, learning more about Trust Wallet. Hello, everyone. So nice to be here. Oh, it's been a long period of time, actually, to be where I am right now. So it took me about seven years, and it's been a rough uh, period of time for me. So I born in Ukraine, and I moved to U.S. around um, seven years ago. And so before that, I was doing security. So I was running a community of hackers. We had around 10,000 people using our service to learn about security, what things are doing, and 
all those kind of things. And so um, I've been doing that for quite some time, maybe a year or so. And then at some point, I got in trouble with police just because they want to get all the information about uh, people using our service. And so I had to escape my country not to be persecuted. And so I had to move to U.S., apply for asylum, and then be happy with my life. So probably like seven years ago, I made this decision. I had to drop out from university and then just like take everything I have and leave my parents and just came here to U.S. So that's probably my story on how I moved to U.S. And so since I got here, I learned how to code. I started my first company and then just kind of moved on on learning, sharing my knowledge and do best I can to build technology around it. And so in the past... Now you... Yeah. And now you've started a company in the spec. Man, look at you! Y'all <laughs> killing it. I'm, that, that's 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 a hell of a story, man. I, I'm 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 glad to see that you made it here to the U.S. and like you're you're an entrepreneur and like you're doing really well. And that that must that must feel really good. Yeah, it is. At the same time, I mean, it's tough to like create any type of company, right? You get you have to have like you have to have all the dedication, all your time spent on this. So, and for example, for trust, I spent the last ten months just building. All the all the tools for what we need to build. At the same time, you know, like I didn't have any day offs. Like if you go to my GitHub, it's all green. What like for mm -hmm. any day. So that's why like I'm taking one time, one week off to just kind of enjoy and go to Hawaii. And so that's crazy <laughs> for me. You earned that, man. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Let's yeah, so, let's hop into uh, Trust Wallet here. Yeah. So Trust Wallet is a simple wallet for. All the ERC20 tokens and also that browser to access different dApps to play CryptoKitties or FOMO 3D and any other dApps that are there on the market, right? So we don't really control anything what users are doing. And so this is the whole point of decentralization is that you build all the technology, you put it out there as an open source or like on Google Play and anyone could just come and use it. And at the same time, it's a wallet to keep your private key secure on the phone. Right. So it's not a custodial solution. So as long as you have your private key, you can just import it and we would never know about it. Um, yeah. So how does so how does this offering kind of differentiate itself or or, or not at all from um, other project offerings like Cypher Browser, Toshi uh, and other um, companies that are seeking to do create like these like all in one DAP browsers? Yeah, so there's many products, right? And the really important part is here is like who, whoever's going to do a better job on like running the community. So you have, you got to communicate to all the developers and all the customers who come in. So that's why we put lots of efforts to talk to every person who come and talk to us, right? There's lots of developers who are looking for a solution to use their DAP browsers, right? So we provide them like deep links, uh, deep linking, so they can allow to bring all the mobile users into their DAPs easily. And then there's lots of users who come and want to learn about security, how to store their private keys, and we try to give really uh, clear communication to them so they onboard different users afterwards. And so that works pretty well. We currently have over 100,000 monthly active users. And so we started pretty early, around like 10 months ago. That was my first line of code. And then if you compare it to other projects, they started like way before uh, me. So I guess like even status, they've been around for like two years, but they haven't shipped the product, even though they have different approaches to how they want to onboard users and what kind of level of security they want to give to them. And, they're, and they're, the status guys are like, um, and I mean, hell, we have we have Petty here and he works for status. So how convenient <laughs> is that? So I don't even really need to just assume it's sort of like so. But uh, I'm going to go ahead for the sake of the show and pretend that he doesn't work there and say that, hey, you know, you would go ahead and assume that. 
status is probably more so just hardcore focus on Ethereum itself, maybe not like multi asset support. But I could be could be wrong there. Yeah, you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's all started uh, as Ethereum for me as well. I mean, that's the only protocol we supported when we started. But at the same time, I feel like there is a need for supporting different chains and there is no solution to them. So we really want to make sure that we work with every possible team out there and bring all the technology to them, right? Because at the same time, I think the tech is going to be a little bit different in terms of the standards. And then we just want to make sure that we support different standards and we hope we support different type of chains. And as an end user, I don't really care if this is ERC20 token on VChain or some somewhere else. It's a like to- totally different chain, right? So I guess we want to build interface for the users in a way where they just see tokens and it doesn't matter where they are, right? And so I think this is a really big difference on like keeping products because I realized that many users, they just come and they don't want to know like, is it a coin or is it a token? Where is it located? Just give me the address. I want to send it. Okay. What about uh, Ethereum Classic support? How are, you, yeah. how are you working with that? Yeah, so uh, for us, it's pretty easy. As long as we add the node um, to connect to the RPC and it just works. So it's pretty straightforward to us, right? And we just want to give that support for anyone who wants to use. At the same time, we have support for POA and the Go chain. So those are easy, um, addable to our uh, stack. And we mm-hmm. want to also support all the UTXO-based blockchains as Bitcoin. So once we support that on the um on the implementation side, we should be easily add any other chains, similar as like Litecoin or Bitcoin Cash. So those are easy to add. So in but terms I of... feel like there's, yeah, it seems like there's lots of people coming to use uh, um, Ethereum Classic at the moment, which is cool. Yeah, I was curious about like uh, the, the overall user experience and when they look at what their wallet encompasses, are they seeing the differentiation between coins and the and the blockchains behind them, or do they just see? kind of a, a unified uh, view of all the things that they have. And when they try and send it, it knows where to go. Uh, they don't have to worry about, I guess, messing with the settings on making sure that you know, they're going to the right chain. They're looking like wh- where things are, where they exist, where they're going. They just know what they have and they can send it to other places. How do you, how do you, how do you keep that like security of making sure addresses are correct, making sure things are working well on the back end while also making it a unified, easy experience for the end user? Yeah, it's definitely tough because we just started doing this. So we started with a multi-coin support. So now all your Ethereum, Ethereum Classic, it's all in one view. And so we're using BIP44 standard. In that case, we just have different derivation path for each coin and we'll have different uh, wallet address, which is a little bit tricky for the end user just because, um, you know, sometimes they think, oh, Ethereum Classic will have same address as Ethereum. So they will send funds and then they see nothing. So at least in this case, you have a backup because you can uh, use that backup phrase and try to use different duration path to get the private key for a specific network. So there is a way to recover this, but it's a little bit tricky. Uh, but we do focus now to actually show clear path on like, oh, here's the Ethereum, here's the ERC20 token on this network. So we're just gonna, we're kind of working on this UI piece at the moment to make it clear because we see different requests from people because they send some, Recently, in the past week, uh, some people uh, sent WeChain to their address, but they already have their own blockchain. So now they need to take the backup phrase, move it into their own explorer, like their wallet, and import there. But you might still have issues because, um, uh, for example, like if you use d- different duration path, you need to like get the private key for a specific network, which makes it really a bit tricky. 
But yeah, the whole idea would be just you have one backup trace, you don't have any private keys, you just use that to recover your wallet anytime. Oh, that's awesome. So, so what's been some of the um, kind of the, the uh, engineering or, or what will be some of the engineering challenges going forward to like uh, supporting like multiple different blockchains in the future? And kind of like with that, to piggyback on that thought, like, you know, what's the what's the end game with Binance acquiring you guys? And I know that kind of it's it's to seek to like decentralize custody a little bit more and like add like, you know, uh, uh, a major uh, another major player into like the DAP browser like ecosystem. But maybe you can give us a little bit more insight into like what's to come given yes. multiple asset support. So I think my story started around three months ago for this, uh, just because we've been planning to run the token sale for the trust platform. So we basically wanted to build more than just a wallet to build a DAP registry for different DAPs tokens. And then, you know, that's kind of like the ideas we had in mind. At the same time, we wanted to build Touch ID as an authenticated layer. So you have your identity as a wallet address and you have some type of reputation. So we thought that would be a cool to have the token economy working for that. And so we had a white paper where we started to work on that for like months, and then we released it. Um, then we got really good um, proposal from KyberGo platform to run our ICO on their platform. So I think, every, I think everything was great until some point when I realized that there is so much scrutiny with legal work, right? So you got to pay half a million to different lawyers just to figure it out, the taxation, all these legal documents that you need to prepare to make sure you're staying uh, pretty good in terms of the legal problems. So, I mean, that's something that kind of worried me just because I'm not a CEO. I just want to be focused on a product and not to care about anything else. And so at that point, we raised around $3 million in Ether uh, for the private sale. And then there is a few more people that I wanted to onboard, and they realized that's going to be a pretty bad solution for me because I'm going to raise this money, and I'm going to be dealing the next year with like with the legal stuff. And because I talked to so many different founders in the ecosystem. And so I thought, maybe that's not the best solution for me. And maybe there is some other opportunities. And so that's when the Binance came in and they told us about their story, like what they do and how they can help. And so for me, that was a deal situation where they basically help us financially, take care of anything we have, and then just going to help us to take over the marketing, the support. And then we're just going to focus on the product itself. And this is ideal to me because I like to work with developers. And so I have a small team right now around four or five people, and we're going to uh, hire a few more. So that's ideal, like what kind of job I like to do, just, you know, work with developers and ship products. That's, you know, it's so funny. That's literally, okay, so you know how like Cypher Browser was bought by Coinbase, right? So yep. I was an advisor for Cypher Browser to Pete and his team. And, uh, you know, during that sort of like uh, the acquisition talks, um, one of the things that, you know, he like really pushed on was that, you know, I just want to get back to work. I just want to get back to coding. I just want to get back to shipping things. I don't want to have to worry about all this, you know, the political bureaucratic mess of like getting acquired and all sorts of stuff. He's like, I just want a team that I can work with that can work fast with me and like help me build out things so I can get back to work. Like literally that's what it was. And like, he wanted to have a lot of the additional complexity automated out and having like the support of a larger organization. So it literally sounds exactly like the same situation. Whereas like you guys are ready to like, just like lock and load and like really like kind of build, but you were just looking for the support of a larger entity. So you could just focus on just that and none of the legal stuff and all of that sort of headache that comes with it. Yeah, totally. And especially with Binance, right? They have already so many users and people who trust them. And so I think it's a deal product to actually have this ecosystem where you keep your tokens on the Binance, but if you want non-custodial solution, you just move them to trust. So I think it's pretty good um, kind of like synergy for both of us. 
So what would you say are some, maybe some lesson learned that you've picked up through either this acquisition process or through like building trust that maybe we could leave with a you know developer and entrepreneur who, who might be seeking to potentially build something similar and, uh, you know, to get acquired in the future? I could tell for sure is that you don't want to do token sale for the product. Uh, that's going to mm-hmm. take too much mm-hmm. of your time. That's definitely a solution unless you raise more than 20 million, because if you have 20 million, that it's much easier to handle those. You can hire a person because if you do just like 10, that was our plan. Uh, we mm-hmm. would like spend the first half, probably in the first year to like handle taxes, handle legal mm-hmm. work, and then, you know, onward all the people. So I think that's going to be lots of expenses. <laughs> and so you definitely don't want to do that. And then you'll get your investor pissed. That's what I did. <laughs> So they got pissed mm-hmm. because I, I had to return money to them. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you you probably want to stay independent as much as you can um, because it mm-hmm. gives more freedom on what things you can accomplish. And I previously sold the company as well. It's called Trucker Path. It, it was an app for logistics. So I was independent in terms of the finance. So we, ha- we could run the product by itself for like years. But at the same time, I wanted to have more exposure. Like I wanted to have really big support. Because as a wallet, it's really hard to prove that you're secure. But if you think about wallets, I think the biggest security is actually the people, like how good you educate them. Because the, the private key is stored on the device. There's nothing you could do. There's nothing you can attack, right? Um, unless you attack the GitHub, like push code, and then it gets distributed to other people. So a little bit mm-hmm. different. So I think the perception of security is quite different for wallets. So... What about let's take it to the user story though? Like, there's lots of wallets that exist. Like, what what makes me want to go with Trust Wallet over you know the litany of other wallets? Like, what what's the differentiator that really yeah. pulls in the user? Yeah, I think one differentiation is always simplicity, right? Anyone could build simple products though. Um, I think some people they build React Native solutions, which usually kind of throw off me, like I cannot use any React Native solutions just because it feels different, right? When you're using the native experience, it feels like really natural and fluid and like smooth. When you use any type of React Native solutions, it feels like, oh, this is like a web page solution, right? And so many people don't like that. And so in our case, we build design in the same way as Telegram does it, like really simplified all native experience, right? It makes it really easy to use. But then if you use such products with React Native, you can even swipe to go back when you like push a new view, right? That's kind of annoys me. And so even Apple doesn't uh, put them on top in the App Store. So if you Google ERC20 wallet or Ethereum wallet, we're going to be either the first or the second. And the reason because even Apple thinks that native support is better for the users, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in terms of security, I think we follow the best possible um, you know, rules, so we try to like encrypt everything and everything either stored to like on the file system encrypted and the keys are stored either in secure enclave or in a keychain. Yeah. And was, speaking of um, like Telegram, what's uh, what what's the potential of you guys like integrating like the Whisper protocol and adding like some sort of novel chat functionality to the wallet app? Do you think wallet apps will go the way of like Toshi where people eventually like want to use chat in, inside these apps? Or do you think that'll be deprecated and people will just focus on the browser experience? Yeah, good question. So at the moment, the only use case for the crypto is speculations. Anything that helps to do that, that's how people use it, right? That's why people into like ICOs, exchanges, and getting all these tokens, and then using some speculation platforms for either buying crypto kitties or, you know, playing exit, what is it called? 
from a 3D, right? So that's where mm -hmm. people actually spend most of their time. And I guess you don't want to build anything that's not related to speculations at the moment. So that's why messaging doesn't make sense just yet, uh, because mm -hmm. it's too complicated to even introduce the browser inside wallet. That's pretty complicated. At the same time, like you want to, you would need to compete with Telegram to build better experience so people can switch, which is mm. too complicated, right? And at the same time, it doesn't give you that much uh, benefits. Right. What will happen if you switch to status, for example, to a whisper pro protocol, right? I mean, there's only only nerds, but it's all about UX for messaging because mm -hmm. you don't share anything sensitive for the most part. But if you do, there is also a solution to use end to -end encryption with Telegram, right? Mm. Do you guys do you, do you see point. any potential um, competition coming down the pipeline from like Facebook and Facebook Messenger with their like block, quote unquote blockchain like oriented like team? In that regard, because they probably have the capability to be able to build a pretty decent user experience for chat. Yes, uh, and the answer is yes, they're coming. I already talked to them. So the question oh. is like, what they're going to introduce? Um, not sure yet. Nothing is going to be supported for their scale. So they would definitely going to build uh, their own chain. So mm. Mm. there is nothing, mm. nothing specific though. But I do mm. know they're working exclusive. On yeah. Sorry. Exclusive. Well, that's exclusive. good. Well, 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 that's funny too. Well, here's another exclusive. When I spoke to a gentleman from the Eco team, the from the co-founder of um, Uber, that's like launching that chain. Uh, I was talking to him, and originally they were going to use some fork of Bitcoin, and then they realized that they wanted to have more enriched functionality, and they ended up talking about like potentially like forking Ethereum, and then building a chain on top of that. And it's just like a lot of these like mega orgs seem to like realize like rolling their own chain is much easier if they just like spin off some EVM like targeting like chain and like position themselves to be more flexible as the ecosystem ex expands. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what Facebook was doing too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, definitely nothing is going to be supporting like Facebook at that scale, right? Billions of users. So I think for Ethereum, it's only like 1 million users could probably handle a day, right? Because there is a special, uh, specific limit to transactions. Yeah. And I think for Facebook would be interesting angle. They want to tackle the identification uh, part, right? They don't want to do like payments probably as a beginning with, but they want to allow anyone to uh, identify themselves and then do payments. That's their biggest value add right now, right? Is yeah. the fact that they can like have like, you know, we've got people that have been using Facebook for years. Like if you need a like canonical proof of like who you are, then that's Facebook. Um, so that, yeah, seems like the no brainer, but Hey, we won't steal any more of your time, Victor. Um, I appreciate all these insights into trust wallet. Um, and, uh, going forward in the future as, as trust wallet continues to expand and, and add additional like offerings and functionality, uh, please come on back on the show and let us know how it's going. Uh, how it's, how, how, you know, the progression and acquisition with, you know, Binance, whether it turned out good or bad, or, you know, how, how you're looking at, at the time. Um, and we'd love to hear more, uh, given your expertise in the field of wallets, uh, as the space continues to mature. Yeah, totally. Thanks so much for having me. And, uh, Petty, uh, Dimitri, any questions you want to ask him before we scoot out of here? Now's your chance. Uh, no, I'm good. I'm going to go download this wallet, play around with it, send it some stuff. I got I got something short real quick. Um and it, like in a nutshell, can you like what's been your experience with what security is for decentralized systems? Because like what you focus on in this space is very different than traditional security. And I'm curious since you ran a traditional security company, how has that changed over the time? Yeah, I think I'll talk about like the overall security for the users. I could tell you for sure the most people get hacked um like most 
trust users get hacked, not through the app for sure. So the way that it's done, it's usually by scamming. And the way they do it is, for example, you come to our Telegram group, and so there is a person impersonating me, connecting to that person and telling, oh, we're from trust support team and we want your private key. And they like tell the story to get it from them, right? So I think social engineering, definitely the first vector from all the people to attack. Um, and people don't see the difference between the, the person as an admin to any group or just a random person who messaged them, unfortunately, right? And so some people just don't see that value as well on the backup phrase. They also go into like airdrops and they and the airdrops asking them to like put private keys and they just give out to them, right? So I think there is a two two types to security. Right. So if you talk about the, the security on the mobile device, so I think there is so much tech that already provided by Google and Apple. So we have Secure Enclave, we have Android Key Store. So uh, we use Android Key Store, for example, right? Um, the benefit is that everything is uh, stored on the phone pretty securely. So even if you root your device, there is no way to get your private key back. Yeah. Um, so it makes it like pretty difficult for the user to, you know, for the hacker to attack unless they have access to the person at the phone at the same time. So that's the only use case where you can lose your private key. Great. I think that's the answer I was, I was hoping you'd say because that's, that's, that's so it all boils down to the biggest vector is humans. Yeah. Education <laughs> and humans and how different the stuff is from, from like, you own your own stuff. You need to understand that you own your own stuff. So it's on your responsibility to not give it away to somebody impersonating somebody else. Yeah, wait but... for someone like grandma to leave like their like you know twelve word like you know like key phrase on like the refrigerator on a magnet or something. <laughs> <laughs> on a bracelet. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question though. Like, what's the best ways to store backup phrase? Even if you write it down, put it on your table, and you know after some time you'll be just cleaning up your table and then you just throw it away. So uh, I personally think that you always want to keep two backup phrases anywhere. Uh, by the way, I call them backup phrase, uh, even though there is a mnemonic phrase name, but I think it's more com like complicated. So yeah. there's also a recovery phrase, which is like really similar in terms of the concept. But it's really, we got to like focus on messaging as well for the user, which is takes lots of our time, yeah. right? Because some things are not really intuitive for the user. And most people who come, they think that when you set a passcode in the app, this is their protection for the private key, right? Yeah. <laughs> At the same time, this is just a protection from people accessing the app itself. All right. Well, I think that we have exhausted Victor uh, now at this <laughs> point. So, um, so Victor, again, like as, as we were saying prior, thank you for coming on to the show. Thank you for providing us this information. And best of luck to you in your continued hustle, man. You're killing it. You, you know, <laughs> the, the U.S. It seems to have treated you well. Hopefully you continue to do so. Yeah, totally. Thanks so much, guys. Yeah, it's been fun. You know, we're going to build way more stuff in the future as well, especially that we have so much resources now. And I'm going to focus on the polishing the product and then, you know, I have a team of Binance. So they're going to push the market, uh, push the product forward. So Perfect. And when you have those announcements, you come on back on the show and we'll let everybody know. Yeah, totally. Sounds good to me. All right, buddy. Well, you have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. All right. You too, guys. Bye-bye. Baby, where you been? Sleeping while we woke. Just give me time, you gon' see it grow That's some money, boat. let it flow That's some money, boat. let it flow I just need a weed, that gon' give me hope